God, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and the joy of the Lord that's in our midst. I pray this morning, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, let's do this. So coming off last week, uh, we're in the middle of this pastoral pause that John has introduced into, first, into his letter. We're studying 1 John. And this is another place in the letter that he is going to encourage the church. He's going to encourage the people of the church because what he's getting ready to speak are some very difficult things. First um, John chapter three verses four, even through four through ten, they're very weighty things, and even it could discourage even the best, the most seasoned of Jesus followers if we don't know the truth of what John is going to speak to us. And so, before he launches into that, he says, "Okay, wait. Let's take a little pause here. This is the second time he's done this. Let's take a little pause and let's just kind of rest in this in this truth that I want you all to get a hold of. That's." The love of God, God has lavished his love upon his people so much so that we are called his children, that we can be called children of God. And he goes, man, we got to just sit here for a minute and just kind of let this marinate in our heart and soul, because this is an amazing truth. It's an amazing truth who we are, who we are in relation to Jesus Christ, who we are in relation to Jesus and the Father. And he wants us to understand that. He wants us to get it. Because it's, it's a very profound and simple truth of the gospel. And he wants us to know who we are before he goes on. And so then we come to verse 2 of chapter 3. And Maureen, if you would put that up there. Verse 2 says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So, you know, as I kind of messed with this verse a little bit and and I was thinking about it, it, it's it's a little overwhelming for me. It it kind of it kind of creates a, a little tension in me. Now, what John is doing, he's pushing this child thing that we are God's children. He's pushing it just a little bit deeper. He's pushing it a little further. And so for us, it should, it should push us even a little deeper. And when I think of this, I, I get, there, there's this tension in me. And in part because I see, the, I see the bigness of God. And sometimes I just feel very small in relation to that. Now, as I was kind of reading through this verse and, and studying it, I, I found that many a preacher... And many a, a great theologian have stayed, they've stayed away from this particular verse. Verse number two in chapter three. And their reasoning is because they don't want to water it down. They don't want to rob it of its amazingness. They don't want to put, make it, uh, they don't want to put it into humanistic terms and rob the, the beauty of what God is trying to communicate to his people. And so, I thought, wow, you know, it would be really easy for me just to kind of gloss over this. We can get into verse number three. It's going to be the holiday weekend. There's nobody going to be here anyway. <laughs> Bummer on me, huh? And, and so, but, so, so I just thought maybe I was just going to put this under the carpet. But then I said, well, that would be breaking the promise that I've made to you as a community that I would not uh, fear or steer away from the tough verses in the scripture and that we're going to go verse by verse. So... By the grace of God, here we go. Now, one of the, one of the things that I get to do 
as a pastor is I get to stay with the verse for an entire week. It's not like seven days, but, you know, I come into work at the beginning of the week and I kind of already know where I'm going and I, and I have the verse in my head. And so I can start to let it marinate and I can start to let it uh, kind of read through it and read through it and sit with it and try to understand it. And then I begin to read what other people have to say about it, what's been written about it. I read the theology and all the scholarship about it. And I just, I just kind of let it churn and churn and churn. And I, I get that privilege to do with scripture. And one of the things that I came up with, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me and, and, and through many other people is there's something in this verse that is speaking about us, but it's, it's, it's more implied in here and not, not exactly what it says. And, and what I found is that I, I really believe that in our hearts and in our minds, the way we look at ourselves as Jesus followers, the way that we look at ourselves, the way that we consider ourselves as followers of Christ, for many, at best, would be insulting to God. And, and the reason I say that is because I really believe that many a Christian have very little idea what it means to be God's child. What it really means to be considered his child. It seems to me that so many of us would rather, would rather eat at the chum bucket instead of dining at the crusty crab. And, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Some of you are going, what in the world is that? It's, it's, it's Spongebob reference. Spongebob is the ultimate Christian. Don't laugh. He loves his job. He's a fry cook. He goes in with a smile every day. How many of you make a lot more money than fry cook? And you're going in miserable. Christian. His best friend is the doofus of the community, but he loves him anyway. Christian. Squidward hates him. He does nothing but love Squidward. Christian. I'm just throwing it out there. I digress. (laughs) And so, and so when we, there's going to be, a, there's going to be a series, the gospel according to this point, I'm telling you, I'm working on it. It's going to be a book. It's going to, that's the way I'm going to retire. But anyway, so as we look at this, as we reflect on this verse in, in our own lives, it's a shame that we see ourselves so small because when we view ourselves in this very small way that we live small lives for the glory and the kingdom of God, it says here that now we are children of God. We are children of God. You know, the biggest, the biggest weakness, I would say, in the church is, is not really theology or it's not liberalism or it's none of the isms or none of the ologies. The biggest weakness I see in the church today is that we don't get this. We don't live in this. We don't walk in it. We don't let it engulf us in its amazingness. And so we live small lives before the Lord. Yeah, you know, you know this stuff. You know it intellectually if you've been around church for any amount of time. But has it seeped deep into your soul? You know, I'm going to pick on Christians this morning just because I can. We spend way too much time arguing over the most lame, pitiful topics. We, we really do. I, I mean, all the theologies and the application of theologies and doctrines. and I mean, those things are important. Please don't get me wrong. But we spend way too much time arguing over those things. The things that we're never going to figure out. The things that we're going to have to stand before the Lord face to face. And then he's going to go, really, did it it really matter? 
Now, there's some things that do matter. Don't get me wrong. But we argue and argue and argue. And then, and then we're so fast to, to look at other people who don't fit in our mindset. And then we say, well, you know, they should be doing this and they shouldn't be doing this. And then we get all caught up in our little groups with our same mindset. We pick on those other little groups that don't share the same thoughts that we have. And so we're, we're just kind of, we're kind of just like batting around the same ball. And it's, it's just, it's lame, man. And it happens within churches, it happens between churches, it happens in de- denominations. And I would say that, that's, that that ugliness, that ugliness of the church is due to the fact that we do not see ourselves in light of this verse. That we don't understand the depth of this verse. You know, let's take a minute, go ahead, read that. You can read it out loud if, if you have trouble with that, go ahead, read it. I've heard more enthusiasm over a colonoscopy, but that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. But dear friends, we, now we are children of God. Do, do, you, do you understand that? This verse should not only humble us, it should humiliate us a little bit that we have such a poor view of ourselves in light of who we are in Christ. And so, and so, if I may, let me push, push this just a little bit further. Thank you very much. Many of our struggles, I believe, in our unhappiness, our joylessness in life, it comes from not understanding this. It comes from not living in this. We go through life, we go through life nagging, and we're complaining, and we're miserable because we, have, we're, we, we do not embrace the beautiful, amazing truth of this one simple verse. And yes, things do happen to us. And we make poor choices. And we suffer the consequence of those choices. And sometimes we suffer the consequences of other people's poor choices. And I know that we live in a broken world. And in the brokenness, we experience that brokenness. But I think that our, our, uh, our sense of, of um, unhappiness and joylessness comes from the fact that we, we, don't, we don't get this. We, we know it intellectually, but we don't live it and walk in it. I mean, we should be walking around every day going, oh, my God, like in the good way, not in the way that you get yelled at by Christians for using the Lord's name in vain. But like, oh, my God, I am I am his child. This should be amazing. You should be pulling up in traffic next to people at the red light, rolling down your window and going, I'm his child. But instead, way too many people, they, they walk around with stink face on, you know, like they stepped in poo, you know, they're like, you know, and you're just like wondering, like, where, where's the disconnect? Where have you missed it? This is amazing, amazing news. We are his children. And I know that most of you know it. I know that most of you, this is not the first time you've heard it. And so my question is, why won't you just accept it? Why won't you walk in it? Why won't you just l- receive it? And let it engulf you with its beauty and amazingness. Uh, I think in part it's because we're all just kind of tunnel visioned onto what's happening right here and right now. All the junk and the funk and the caca that takes place in life. And that's the only thing that we can see. And so instead of putting our life in the context of what this verse says, we put our life in the context of life. And we miss the beauty of what Christ has done for us and who we are in him. We miss the beauty of who we are in him. You're a child of God. You're a Christian. You're a Jesus follower. King's kid. Now let me push this a little bit further. You know, our shortcomings in our faith journey 
those things that you kind of beat up on yourself on, maybe we can call them sin. I believe that those things kind of come from, again, not understanding the simplicity, but the amazingness of this verse. We failure to understand it. We failure to walk in it. So, uh, you know what? Let's just, let's, just, let's just go right to, let's use the B word. Let's use behaviors. You know, our Christian behavior would be much better. You would be all much better behaved people if only you understood that deep within your heart and soul. Because it's not changing your behavior that changes your behavior. It's embracing this truth that begins to change who you are and change your behavior. This is who you are. This is about your eternal destiny. If we got a hold of this even just a little bit, it would make a huge difference. A huge difference in the way we live. You know, in the Bible, as you read the Bible, especially in the New Testament, uh, you will see that when certain behaviors are addressed or encouraged, it begins with, it begins with this. It begins with, okay, so this is who you are. And being who you are, this is, what, this is who you are, what it looks like in the world. Does that make sense with that? Go back and listen on the podcast. So, so, so this is who you are, and this is what who you are looks like. The Bible starts off with that all of the time, never the other way around. It never says, get yourself in shape, get it together, and then you will be accepted by God. It says, you, there's nothing good in you, but Christ wants to live in you, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. It never starts with behavior. It always starts with the theology of who you are, the position of who you are, and then says, because of who you are, this is how it looks. This is how it lives out in the everyday. Never the other way around. You you know, I'm going to say this about that. The Bible, the Bible doesn't tell people who don't follow Jesus how they should live. The Bible doesn't tell people who don't follow Jesus how they should live. You know why? Because they can't. It'd be like telling a fish to climb that tree. It can't happen. It can't be done. And so any encouragement from these pages, any comfort from these pages come because the Holy Spirit in us, because we are, God, because we are God's child, has illuminated those truths. And then we find comfort. What the Bible speaks to people who, who don't know Jesus is this. Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of God is near. You can have eternal. God loves you. It says those things and it's calling us and it's, and it's wooing you. But the comfort comes from the position of being his children, his child. You know, the Bible isn't the oldest self-help book ever written. It has nothing to do with that. It's not the seven easy steps to solving that problem. It's not the book that you go to to kind of get out of life's boo-boos. It's the revelation of God and who he is. And who we are in relation to him. Okay, I think my rant is done for my intro. Um, and now I think we get into the verse. So, so what's the verse say? It says, dear friends, now we are children of God. It doesn't say now we are going to be children of God. It doesn't say we're getting to be children of God. It says now we are children of God. And I know we've just kind of dealt with that. So I guess maybe my rant's not over. So, so let me just be a little bit clear. We are not a people who are walking around in darkness hoping to find the light. We have come to a place where we can say in confidence, I am God's child. 
Now, I want you to say that. I am God's child. Some of you refuse to say that. I watched. I could see. I'm not saying that. I'm talking in church. I've seen more enthusiasm at a Red Sox game. And shame on you. (laughs) Yankees, I could see. But Red Sox... You are not, you can never be more of God's child than you are right in this very moment. You can never be more of God's child than you are right in this moment. Megan and Ethan, my children, Sandy, Sandy and our children, they don't get to be our children more and more as they get older. They are 100% our children from day one. Please pray for us. But, but they're 100% our children from day one. They don't earn it. They don't grow into it. The prodigal son, in the story in the Bible, the prodigal son was as much a son as the one who stayed behind. The one is the older brother. His, his relationship uh, as, as son to father did not change. Now, I want you to hear me. Eyes appear. Look at me. Behavior does not change the relationship. Behavior does not change the relationship. Thank God. Because we would all be hosed. I'm telling you, we'd all be in trouble. Behavior does not change the relationship. Either you are God's child or you are not God's child. And you only become God's child through faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's the simple truth. So you may mess up, you may screw up, you may backslide, you may feel that the relationship has changed, but it hasn't. You're just not walking in the blessing of what God wants to pour out to you. Just as the prodigal son, as he was off spending all his money and away from his father, he was, he was feeding the pigs and, he, and the pig's food was starting to look good. His, his, his position did not change, but he could not walk in the blessings of the father. Because he was not in the father's house. Behavior does not determine our relationship. And so maybe you might want to ask, well, well, how do I know I'm his, how do I know? How do I know I'm his child? Well, it all has to really do with Jesus. Is Jesus that desire in your heart? Is that desire to follow God present in your heart? And you know you're not going to do it perfectly, but is it there? Is it calling you? Is it wooing you? Is it, is, it, is it that thing that's inside of you? Because see, if it is, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you are God's child. And there's also this other thing that has to do with, with you know deep down that you got this thing in you. It's called the sin nature. And, and that thing has just got to go and it irks you and it tugs on you and it pulls on you. And you just want to be done with it. And you know you can't fix it yourself. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know we're God's children. Those two very simple things. I mean, there's a lot more other. I can go into all the lame theology stuff. But man, let's just keep it simple. And so what else is going on? It says, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. You know what this is talking about? Is that we, God's children, are destined for glory. I mean, we're not there yet. But we are destined for glory. 
Jesus, Jesus didn't experience the glory that he would experience after he went to the Father as he walked on earth. It was a hard life for him. And he, was, he, he preached, he went into ministry for three years, he was homeless, and he was, he was hated by his own people, and he was tortured by them. And he was killed, nailed on the cross. But Jesus went from being humiliated to glory. And that's, we are on the same path. We, we walk that same road with Christ, his children, God's children. We are destined for glory. It's, the bed, it's one of the bedrock truths of our faith. It's just as amazing as, as being forgiven. We are destined for glory. You know, a lot of times I get caught up in, um, you know, I'm not a big, okay, you get saved and you pray to die so you can go be with God. I, I believe that our salvation our walk with Christ is, is about life here and it's about living in its fullness here and it's about loving on people and sharing the love of God with people here. But man, this is, this is what we got to look forward to, that we will be in the presence of the Lord in all of this fullness and all of the glory. All of its glory. It's part of the promise of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to take that away from us. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not height, not depth, not the present, not the future. Nothing takes away that promise. God cannot go back on his promise because he is God. And the good work that he has begun in each one of you, he will see to completion. That's the promise of the Lord. That's the promise of him, that we will be in his glory. It's his own greatness. It's his own sovereignty. It's, its, own, it's, it's his own power that guarantees that. And it will happen when Christ appears. It says we shall be like him. The second coming. Now, I don't want you all to get caught up in all of the second coming theology and all of the speculation on when, how, where. Though I do believe Jesus will come back on a Harley Davidson because it says horse. But I think in the original Greek text, it says iron horse. That's just me. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, I, if you have something different, that's okay. You could be wrong. Um, so, but, but I do, I do you know, here, here, here's what we know. This is what we know for certain. Jesus is coming back. And he's bringing, he's bringing judgment with him. And he's coming back. And, and there's going to be a new heaven. And there's going to be a new earth. And God will be our light. We won't need the sun. And Jesus is going to tie up all of the loose ends in the universe. And on that day, for some people, it's going to be a horrifying day. But for his children, it is going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. That's, that's what we know for sure. That's what the scriptures have revealed to us in its certainty that he will return and we will see him face to face. We will see him face to face. You know, I, I really believe that it's only then will we fully understand the, the fullness of what he has done, that we're going to fully understand what this whole idea of salvation is and the price that, that, that he has paid for it. And so as I was just kind of wrestling through this stuff this week, I thought, Shame on me for not living in the fullness of being his child. I mean, I mean shame on me for complaining and nagging that, that life is so hard and it's so difficult. Shame on me for my, for my half-hearted worship. 
and my half-hearted relationship with him. Shame on me for, for neglecting and rejecting the difficult parts of the gospel. And I just want everything to be easy. And I just want it all on the mountaintops with rainbows and glitter. Shame on me. Because God promised me that one day I will stand before him in glory. And be made like him. Are you tracking with that? Are you stepping in what I'm throwing down? Made like him. You know, the New Testament gives us very little details about what that day is going to be like or what that whole experience is. It's written a little bit in Philippians 3 and 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about it a little bit. And, and I got to thinking, you know, I'm wondering why there's not, there's not more of that kind of revealed. And, and I think I've come to the conclusion. It's because if we really knew what was going to take place to the children of God, we would, it would be such an amazing revelation that we would just explode. There'd be blood and guts everywhere. You'd just be seeing people, boom, boom, just popping as that, as that thing was revealed to them, who they are and what it's going to be like. I don't think there's, a, there's enough words in all of human language to begin to describe what that day is going to be like. But it, it will be for his children. It will be for his children. We know we are his children. We know we are children of God. And what we, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We are destined, destined for glory as his children. So let's pray. And God, I want to thank you for this simple truth. And for the grace of it. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is calling us and wooing us and, and revealing the truths of Jesus to us. Lord, continue that work in your church. Continue that work in your church. We love you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for loving us right where we are. And thank you for loving us so much that you don't want us to stay here, but you want us to grow into a deeper relationship with you. We come before you, we stand before you in the beauty of this truth and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I'll see you next week.